everybody, and thank you for joining this week's episode of Your Mortgage Process. I, of course, am your host, Greg Wareham, and we have a very special guest today, Mr. Jose Sanchez. Hi. Hi, Jose. Great to be here. Great to have you. So give you a little background on Jose. He's been in the real estate or mortgage field for the better part of the past 20 years. He's currently a broker associate at Keller Williams, team lead and owner of the Link Realty Group. I think you have 17 people right now on your team, Jose? Yeah. Correct? We have uh, we have 12 in West Monmouth and five in Hoboken. Fantastic. So 17 people, two locations, multiple platinum award-winning artist in the real estate uh, industry. Recording it, artist. Recording artist, right. Well, right. you have a very good radio voice. <laughs> uh, and you also coach your son's baseball team. Yeah, that's uh, that's new on the resume this year. Uh, I've been an assistant coach probably last five years. Okay. Uh, this year, I have an opportunity to manage a 10U travel team, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, it's fantastic. I think you're a great coach. You're oh, a nice thank guy. You. No, you're a nice guy. You're calm. You're patient. Takes a lot of patience with 10-year-olds, for sure. <laughs> no, no question yeah. about it. So, Jose, you've been on the mortgage side. You've been on the real estate side. Uh, tell me a little bit about your journey. Yeah. Um, so, I've been in the business for about 20 years. Yeah. I started on the mortgage side of uh, the industry. Um, had God a great bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a great run. I, uh, I, I really enjoyed the business. Uh, you know, I started back in 2002 with a subprime company back when uh, things were a lot simpler, I guess, with uh, sure. mortgages. In about 2015, I uh, transitioned over to the real estate side of things. That's got to be a huge transition going from mortgage to real estate. It wasn't. Um, I think for me, it was an easier transition, I think, for, for most real estate people that are uh, getting into the business. Sure. Um, for me, uh, coming from the mortgage industry, I already had, uh, I think I had like a running start. You know, I had people that already knew me, that trusted me. So I think that that was uh, very helpful for me. Yeah, that beginning. makes sense. I mean, the industries are aligned. We yeah. deal with the same consumer. Yeah. Someone looking to purchase a house. Just a different house. side of the table. Yeah, exactly. And making the transition over from the mortgage side to the real estate side, you came in as a salesperson. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. And how was that experience? I, 2014, I, I had this, you know, great idea to get my real estate license. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I met with a buddy of mine and I, you know, I wasn't sure really where I was taking it. I didn't know okay. what direction I wanted to go in with this. Being in the, in the business, you know, a lot of real estate offices, you know, a lot of brokers, sure. you know, a lot of agents. And, uh, you know, I thought about some of those places and I, and I felt like, you know, I don't know that I'm a good fit in, mm -hmm. in, in those, uh, uh, types of offices. Um, so my, I met with my buddy and he's, uh, he said, you know, before you make a decision, you should talk to my uncle. He's, uh, he's an operating principal for a few Keller Williams offices, Keller Williams offices in California. Okay. And, uh, I said, sure, why not? So I had a great conversation with this guy. Uh, and he told me all about the, the, uh, the KW model and all the opportunities and, and, and what the company was all about. And, Introduced me to um, Adele and mm -hmm. Sally over at West Monmouth. And uh, I knew right away that I was home. That was where I needed to be. Uh, that's fantastic. Well, it's really yeah. educational oriented, right? Yeah, I, I think uh, not only that, but I think being an entrepreneur, mm. uh, I needed to be in an environment that wasn't going to suffocate me, right? right. That was going to uh, be all about the agent and your business. And uh, I knew that right away walking into that office. Yeah. 
That's fantastic. It felt right at home out of yep. the gates. You come in and now you're a real estate salesperson. Yeah. Walk me through that. Yeah, that was really interesting because, you know, I'd, um, I'd already been a seasoned uh, loan officer, branch manager uh, in, in the business. And uh, I was kind of starting at, you know, ground level. Sure. Right. So I knew how to have the conversations with people, um, but I had no clue about, you know, writing up a contract or, uh, doing an open house or any of that stuff. But, uh, you know, you quickly learn uh, and you put the pieces together. And uh, I think that the most important thing is um, having having people that you could actually help, that sure. you can serve, right? And so for me, I was pretty fortunate that going into it, um, I, you know, I, I, I could fall back on my client base. Did you find you came out of the gates really fast or did it take you a while to get acclimated? Um, I think I took my time. Okay. Okay. Uh, because well, you're a patient guy. I wanted to, I really wanted to master the business before, you know, uh, I, I came out of the gates, you know. I, sure. I, so I took my time really learning the intricacies of, uh, of real estate. Now, you're a real estate agent for how long before you decided you're going to be a, a leader and build a team? So I think it was, it wasn't until two years before, um, before it happened. Um, mm -hmm. And for me, it happened out of necessity. Um, you know, I first started out and it was just me, right? Mm -hmm. I was just putting the deals together, showing people houses, listing properties, and, you know, learning the basics, the fundamentals. And I was having a good time with it. You mm -hmm. know, we, uh, you know, I was fortunate to be in a, in a great office, you know, great energy, um, great leaders, yeah. right? No, it's um, a great office. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, willing to share and, and uh, uh, you know, an opportunity for me to learn from their experiences. So for me, it was uh, really out of necessity. I think that year two is kind of when, you know, the gates opened up and okay. we started to get really busy. I wanted to deliver, you know, there's a certain level of customer service sure. that people were used to when they dealt with me. Right. Right. Um, and then when I felt like I couldn't deliver on that, mm -hmm is when I realized that I needed some help. So then when you're making that shift over into growing a team and being a leader, who's the first person that you hired? Well, it should have been an admin assistant, <laughs> but it wasn't. Um, Nobody's perfect. Totally. Right. <laughs> um, I, I really needed somebody to help me out sure. with, with the buyers, right? Show some, some houses, drive these people around. You know, I'll negotiate the contract. I'll write it up. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it was a showing assistant, which was interesting because my first showing assistant did not like to drive. <laughs> uh, who was it? Was it somebody that you knew or is it someone that you had hired from outside of your network? You know, it was an agent in okay. our market center that uh, really, you know, uh, uh, needed some additional income. And uh, we worked out a deal and uh, they were helping me out. Now, how long was it until you hired your second, your third person? Yeah, you know, I quickly realized that uh, I needed somebody with a little bit more more talent and uh, ne needed to experience, right? Yeah, and uh, a true buyer's agent, sure. right? Um, and uh, a little bit more incentive for for that agent. So, um, I think the showing assistant probably lasted about six months before we realized that you know this is not going to work, and right. we hired a buyer's agent. So, okay, yeah. So now you've hired, you hired a buyer's agent. How long did it take you to get up to 17 people? Yeah, a uh, long time, right? <laughs> it, interesting because, you know, we were, 
uh, we were doing really well. And then we realized that uh, all our back end stuff really needed some uh, some attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot that goes on in the back end, right? You know, sure. As a real estate agent, you wear a lot of hats, right? You're you, you know you got a you got a uh, lead gen prospect. You got to go on appointments, negotiate contracts. Uh, inspections, appraisals, you name it. You got to market, you got to market yourself, you got to market right. your listings. You know, we we had a big issue. We, we were doing a good job on the front end, but right. we were doing terrible uh, on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we needed to, you know, we needed to fix that. So sure. the next the next hire for us was an admin assistant. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of freed us up to really focus on the things that we wanted to do, the things that we were, we were, well, we were doing good, we're doing well at. You know, it's interesting when you make the shift from salesperson over to leader, team builder, manager, whatever you want to call it. It's a, it's a process, right? Because it goes from you're used to being a one-person show who gets all the, the glory and you also get the, the downside of that as well. And you have to sh- switch to someone who's really the, the coach. You know, to use a basketball analogy, you know, you go from being LeBron James, who's knocking down all the shots, getting all the recognition, to being the coach of the team. I don't, can everyone name the coach of the Lakers? I don't know that they can. But, it, but being that person who's not looking for the, for the glory, but you're looking to try to grow with others. And that's a process. Yeah. Yeah, I, the, the dynamics definitely change. It's not a one-man show anymore, and you're you're teaching your people through your experiences, and uh, you're succeeding through others, mm-hmm. right? So the dynamics are definitely you know different, and you know you're in a similar situation, right? You run a yeah. team now, right? Sure. So how do you how do you manage that? It's cha- it can be challenging at times, and challenging in a good way. You know, when you embrace anything in life as a positive, right? How am I going to build? How am I going to grow? How am I going to do that? You know, it's it can be a little bit it can be a little bit challenging because you have your your core business that you're doing, yeah. and then you're trying to add people to those systems and processes that you have in place. Yeah. You know what's interesting is that when I look at every phase of our growth, it's it's uh, you know it's a uh, it's a learning experience, sure. right? So you figure out how to be a three man team, you do it really well, and then all of a sudden it breaks. You're like, wait a minute, this isn't working. You start to notice gaps in your business and you yeah. find that person to fill that gap. And then, so for my journey, it's been about, you know, we, we, we get it dialed in and then it breaks. Yeah. And then we got to figure out, okay, are we, who's the person that we're missing? Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it with that because when you go from a team of three people well, yeah, it's easy. You have all the synergy. They're probably people that you know. Yep. So you even have a more synergy. It's easier synergy with everything. But well, now when you got to add five people, you go 10 people, you're bringing people in from all over and it changes the dynamic. Very different. You yeah. know, it changes the dynamic of the team, the social aspect of the team, the professional aspect of it. Yeah. And as a as the leader of that, you have to be the person that kind of holds all that together. Yeah. And I think the the what holds it together yeah. is your is the team culture. That's right? right. You know, one of the other important parts in making your team successful are the systems and strategies that you have in place. What kind of systems do you have in place to try to ensure a plug and play situation? Yeah. You know, so <clears throat> starting out, um, you're, you're kind of figuring that out, right? Sure. You're figuring out like, okay, what's, what's the best way to do this? What's the most efficient way to, you know, get this transaction to the end. But, you know, after you do it for a while, you, you kind of f- figure out, okay, you know what, we need to put a process in place here. Mm-hmm. And so I think, uh, you know, what we do is we basically dissect the transaction, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's the the front end of it, which is, 
the lead gen, right? How do we get the lead? How do we convert it? How do we track that? Mm -hmm. And then you have the, the back end is, okay, so once they become a client, right, what do we do next? And so the process should look the same, mm -hmm. you know, 90% of the time, yeah. right? I mean, you're going to have that one-off situation, but um, the process is the same, right? We're, we're dealing with the same transaction, the same variables. Putting together a, a contract to close process, mm. you know, it took us a while to figure, to kind of get that dialed in. You know, let's dissect that a little bit because you talk about the, the front end yep. and, and lead generation. Yep. So there's contact management system that you would obviously have in place yep. to be able to stay in front of the consumer. Yep. Now your contact management system, once you put someone into the system, what's the process yeah. that you see after that? Yeah, so we use a system called Brivity mm -hmm. uh, that's uh, tied into our website and uh, all the different marketing uh, channels that we use. Mm -hmm. um, so when that person comes in, right, depending on what their intent is, if they're a buyer or seller, they go into different auto plans. And that auto plan will communicate with them almost immediately and also um, create a set of tasks for the agent to do. So it makes it easy to hold that agent accountable to yeah. you know what what's the next step. So right. I got a deeper question for you on that. So yeah. now it comes in, I'm gonna walk me through the life of a lead. The lead comes from a landing page as an example. Mm -hmm. It feeds directly into your contact management system. Now, depending on the type of lead that is, is really gonna determine the drip campaign that they go into. So if you're a, if you're a buyer, you're going to get a particular yeah. response. Yeah. So we 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 typically want to start with a with a phone call right right away. Uh, but we we recognize that we communicate very differently, mm -hmm. right? There are some people that prefer text and email and uh, others are going to be okay with a call, but, sure. but it's it's going to be usually typically it's all of the above, but it starts with a phone call. So how do you determine who gets the lead? You have 17 people, you have two different offices. Yeah. Where are they going? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so the way we have it set up is obviously depending on the geographical area, the zip code, right? It'll either get assigned to our Hoboken expansion team or our West Mama team. Okay. Um, and the way we have it set up now, it, it's uh, sort of a round robin um, mm -hmm. uh, lead flow that we right. get. And so... Um, it gives me the ability to see exactly what their response time is, right? Are they updating that particular lead? Are they putting notes in there? How many attempts they, they've made to contact that lead? So it's, an, it's a coaching opportunity for me when we're sitting down and we're going over, you know, what our goals are. We, we talk about exactly, you know, hey, what, you know, what's going on here? What are we doing? Sure. Right. And accountability, I think at times gets a negative connotation to it. Right. Where being held accountable, oh, yeah, what did I do wrong? It's not about what you did wrong. Right. It's about what you're doing right. Well, it's about tracking, right? right? It's about tracking what you're supposed to be doing. Sure. Um, and uh, how do you hold someone accountable if you don't know what they want to be, you know, what's the end result? You have to be able to have that direct feedback and those direct conversations to really help people grow. Yeah. When you're building a team, different people have different plans. They have different dreams. They have different motivations. They're just, they're different. Everybody's different. Thank God everyone's different. Yep. Right. And being able to have data is really important to try to help keep them moving in the right direction. Yeah. I think it's going to highlight some training opportunities. Sure. Right. Once you're tracking your numbers, you know, your conversion rates, it's very easy to back into what that goal is. Right? Sure. And so, you know, when we, when we talk about accountability, and goal setting, right? We come up with, okay, what, what do we want this quarter to look like? Right? Sure. Or what do, what do we want to accomplish this month?
right? And uh, we put a number to that. We kind of reverse engineer it. So based on your conversion, what are the activities that you need to do every single day? And we get that granular. So there's never a question of what am I supposed to be doing today? Yeah, no, that's a great point. It's, it's, and that plan changes over the course of time. It does because, uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're going to easily recognize, okay, what's working and what's not working. Mm -hmm. So why are we going to continue to do things that are, are not? Right. Focus on people's strengths. Right. What they do. You know, it's funny while you're saying that, I remember the old days in the mortgage industry. You know, I was a manager at, in 2000, I was a manager in this industry and used to take a cord, a phone cord and plug it into the phone so you could hear what they were saying so you could coach them through it. Right. Right. And get a feel for what they're good at and where they so, need some coaching. Me, so yeah. it's interesting. On your end, do you find that you have some of your LOs that are stronger on refis and versus purchases? There's no question about it. And, you know, what I've learned over the course of time is it really comes down to focus and plan, to your point. And you're having the right strategy. And all a strategy is, is trying to accomplish a goal through systems and processes, mm -hmm. right? But yeah, there is. And in really understanding, you know, how you're going to move in one direction. Because for my industry, you know, refinance, that's a... That's an up and down. That's market driven, right? Interest rate market driven. Mm -hmm. When you're working with uh, real estate professionals like yourself, that's considered purchase business. And that's really understanding the needs of the real estate agent, understanding the needs of the buyer, understanding the needs of the sellers and the attorneys that are involved with it. And it's a different skill set. Totally. It's not transactional. It's relationship yep. oriented. Yep. So certainly, and, and you need coaching around it yep. because you could be a fantastic transactional salesperson on the phone all day long. At the end of the day, relationships drive this business and you have to learn how to how to. Are you a relationship that. guy or are you a transaction guy? I'm a relationship guy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day for me, everything in my world, Jose, revolves around relationships. Personal relationships, business relationships. And really, they all kind of intersect. You know, the people that I'm friends with are the people that I, I do business yeah. with and that I work with. Yeah. It's interesting I, that you say that when I'm coaching a new agent, right? Uh, I always tell them that uh, there's there's three things that really need to take place. And three things that need to happen before that, that person is going to decide to do business with you. Yeah. What, the first one is they have to like you, right? Yeah. You yeah. can be the number one real estate agent in your area. And if they don't like you, they're not going to do business with you. Mm -hmm. The second one is confidence, mm -hmm. right? And for a new agent, that's a challenge, right? Because if, uh, especially if they've never listed a house before, if they've never written up a deal before, um, how do you get confidence? Right. I mean, in my opinion on it, it comes through one education, you have to be trained properly, and you have to know the information. Totally. And the, the other part of that is no fear of failure. Right. Because we all fail. Confidence is going to yeah. come from really knowing what you're talking about. Yeah. Right? Just like you said, you have to study that. You have to be a student. You have to learn. You have to train. It's really knowing what you're, what you're talking about. What's the problem here that I'm looking to solve? Right. right. And how can I do that? How can I show that? And that's why being on a team or being under the right mentorship just becomes critical. Because, look, I mean, you get into my business, you get into your business, you get into a sales industry, you come in day one. It's you, easy to get lost. You don't know anything. No. Are you supposed to know anything? No different than I know how to, you know, fix the pipes in my house or run electrical wires. It's just not what I do. <laughs> right. So I'll stare at it like, oh. <laughs> exactly. But you, you need that yeah. type of mentorship and coaching. They have to like you. You have to be confident. Yeah. And trust. Trust. Right. Yeah. Right. What are we dealing with here? We're not dealing with, uh, they're not buying a car, mm -hmm. right? In mo most cases, this is the 
biggest uh, financial transaction that they'll ever make. Sure. Um, so there has to be that trust factor. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And it is the biggest transaction that most people are yeah. going to make on both sides yeah. of the coin. Yep. So, yep. all right, th- those are great three bullet points. They have to like you. Yep. Number two. Confidence. They got to trust you. They got to trust you. You nail those three things, you're going to be in great shape. All right. We'll be right back in a few minutes. We're going to talk a little bit more about systems and processes and uh, different things in the real estate equation. Love it. Thanks, everyone. I'd like to thank today's sponsor, Play Big Zone, located on Campus Drive in Morganville, New Jersey. It's right off of Route 9. It gives you an overall theme party experience that kids for all ages are going to enjoy gives the kids well-organized competition, good for their growth, private parties. You can build amazing memories there. It's open play dates during the week. You can do summer camps there. Some big highlights of what they have to offer there at Play Big Zone is the amazing race, human foosball, laser tag, and they recently added bumper cars, which all of us that remember those bumper cars growing up, I think there's going to be adults and kids on there. So again, I want to thank today's sponsors, Play Big Zone, based in Morganville, New Jersey, on Campus Drive. Fun for kids all ages. Please check it out. Welcome back, everybody. So again, I'm here with Jose Sanchez. Uh, We had left for the break, and we're going to come back to systems and processes, but I wanted to go in a slightly different direction, Jose. So when you look at those three pillars that you were talking about, number one is you have to, the customer has to like you, right? The client has to like you. Yeah, totally. And it really speaks to someone's ability to understand personalities, right? Yep. And being able to understand the transaction and the process. And I think also figuring out what what's the problem that we're looking to solve. Right. Right. Um, and so when you think about all the reasons why people buy and sell, um, you know, those reasons are the same. Mm. right? I think that what the variable is, what the analogy that I like to use is think about the wheel of fortune, right? And so you have one side of the transaction with one wheel, and then you have the other side with another wheel, Mm -hmm. right? And all the different slots or different reasons why people buy and sell. Mm -hmm. And so basically when you go into a real estate transaction, it's just like, all right, let's spin the wheels, right? right? And they spin and then you figure out, okay, why are they selling and why are these people buying? And so um, how do we bridge that gap? How do how do we make sure that these people communicate mm. in an efficient way? Right. Right. And sometimes you have to be the buffer. Sure. Right. Or you need to determine who is a good attorney for this client, mm-hmm. who's a who's a good lender, right? Who's a good home inspector, right? You have to be able to kind of put all those pieces together. Yeah, that's a great point, just understanding people's personality types. Yeah. Because everybody's everybody's different. Totally. And different people want to be communicated to in different fashions, right. whether or not they're team members or whether or not it's the consumer. So to answer different. your question, yeah. like, so how, you know, how does someone like you? I, I think it starts with, you know, listening, right? right. What, what's, you know, li- are you listening? What is, what's the problem here that we need to resolve? Right. Right. People want to be heard. Funny. That's where it all starts from. Yeah. You know, even outside the scope of our conversation today about real estate and mortgage, that's really a, that's a bigger statement. Right. Where it all starts with listening. Yep. Listen to what people are saying because they'll tell you what they need. Totally. And they'll tell you how they feel. Totally. You know, when we have a new agent on the team and, you know, their first day on the phone, they feel the urge to keep talking. Mm. And I have to give them like the, the timeout sign to, you know, relax, right? Sure. Just say what you need to say and let them speak. They'll give you all the answers. 
You know, picking up on that from a training standpoint, so I'm a new agent that's coming into this industry. You know, I'm joining a Link Real Estate team. Yep. And I really don't have any experience. Walk me through their journey a little bit. How do we get them moving in the right direction? Yeah. So for for a new agent, um, it's really learning the 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 basics, right? What what are the fundamentals about our business? And it starts with you know, what do we, what do we really do? We need to be really good at talking to people mm. and having that conversation. So it's, it's teaching them uh, not only uh, the script, cause I hate the word script, yeah. right? Because I do too. yeah, um, Cheap, it cheapens it. It does. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that you and I can get the same message across in very different words. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I say it in your words, it's just not going to come out very, very good to be honest with you. Right. right. But I think that you need to be extremely good at handling objections sure because the objections are always going to be the same right and after you've heard them over and over and over again you recognize that i've heard this before right Right. and so how do i overcome that you know it's funny i've always looked at an objection as a question framed as a statement totally right yep so i'm objecting for this reason well really what you need is more information on that actually when you're having a conversation you have objections you're having a good you have that's a good call yeah, you know, when, they, when they're not giving you any answers and they're just giving you short no and yeses, that's, you know, that's like doomed for, you know. So we start with, you know, how do we talk to people, right? What are the, what are the problems that we solve? So identifying those problems mm-hmm. and um, what are the solutions that we provide? Uh, what do we, you know, what are we looking to get out of that call? Um, and really mastering those objections, right? Um and then you have the uh, the the the, uh, the routine stuff that real estate agents need to learn how to write up a contract, how to conduct an open house, right? But that's stuff that's very easy to learn, mm-hmm. right? The the part that we focus on is how do you how do you become a good listener, right? Sure. And, and a good problem solver because I feel that uh, in order to be successful in especially in real estate, you need to be able to do both sure. really well. You know, a good place to start with, start with your friends and your family. Yeah. Right? You're new in here. Talk to them. Right. You know you can trust them. No one's going to give you a hard time. Yeah. Tell them what you do. Those are the people that already love you, right? right. They they trust you. Well, they not like, always. They, you know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so absolutely. So yeah. that's, you know, when we talk about like the different lead pillars, right? We, we talk about, um, you know, so where do I start, right? What do I focus on? Should I be doing open houses? Should I be cold calling? What, what do I do, right? And so we quickly figure out, we quickly identify what, it, what is that agent's strength, right? right? But one that's a non-negotiable is your sphere, right? right? Your, your friends and family, those are the people that first and foremost need to know that you're in the business. right? And how do we do that in a way that you don't come across as a cheesy salesperson. Right. right. Hey, if you can't be comfortable talking to your friends and family, who can you be comfortable talking to? Exactly. Right? You know, the other thing I've noticed with salespeople at any trade over the course of time, one of the, what I love about salespeople is the fact that they're, they're ambitious, the, the motor's always running, driving it, you know, generally have a good personality, like all those great things. One of the biggest challenges that I see for new people coming into to my industry is patience. Mm. And that's one of the hardest things to teach and coach. And it's one of the most important things that you have to have in your first year. Yeah. Because nothing happens overnight. Interesting that you say that because um, one of the biggest challenges that we have is uh, follow-up. 
Mm. Um, and that's hand in hand with, with patience, right? We, we think that um, we're going to convert that client on the first call. And, and usually that doesn't happen until eight, nine or 10 follow-up calls. Mm-hmm. And most agents give up in, I, in the first uh, one or two calls. Like, oh, they're not picking up the phone. They, they, they're not interested. I think statistically it's some crazy number. Like it's the seventh or eighth contact is 80% of the transactions being that's right. done. That's right. Most, and not just real estate, but I think that most salespeople give up on the first uh, two or three tries. Sure. Right. Yeah, no, follow-up is key with, with anything that you're doing in life. And then you got to stay in your lane. I think our industry has a lot of, uh, for lack of better terms, these new shiny objects, right? Yeah. Like uh, your website needs to look like this. And uh, you should be doing these Facebook ads. And the reality is that my goal every day is how do I get in front of more people? Mm-hmm. How do I talk to more people? Yep. Um, how do I get more people to tell me what is it that they, what's their need and how I can mm-hmm. service them? You know, it's interesting how simple it really can be. Yep. You know, if you have some training, it just becomes time over task and then repeat. You know, one of the things I've learned over the years is people try to master A to Z. But the only mastery you really need is master A to B. Yep. Then repeat. Exactly. A to B, repeat. That's all you got to do. So speaking of lead pillars, right? I mean, we probably have 30, 40 different lead pillars, right? You have uh, cold calling, for sale by owners, expired, Mm -hmm. uh, open houses, postcards, the, the reality is that you need to really focus on your top three. You know, even even four and five might be a little bit too much, but mm-hmm. focus on what your top three lead pillars are that you do really well, right? right? I always I always say your sphere, your, your past client sphere, your friends, is a non-negotiable, right? What are the other two or three that you do really well and double down on sure. that? You know, because the reality is, is you cannot be good at 10 different things. Nobody no. can be. No. Because they can't get the attention and the focus that they need. You could potentially be good at any of them, but you don't really know if you can be great at something until you've narrowed it down to here's the one thing or here's the three things. It's yep. a small sample group of things that you're focused on. Exactly. You know, with that, it's, it's consistency, right? So you can do it once and lose, <laughs> or you can do it 10,000 times and be an expert at what you're doing. Yeah. And, and that's really it. You know, I get the question and you get it as well. It's like, how are you so good at what you do? You know, how do you know how to do all this stuff? And I, and I say the same thing to, to all of them. I've done this thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Mm-hmm. And the reality is the conversations are geared towards the individual once you understand their need and their personality type. Yeah. This goes for the consumer and for uh, someone on your team. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're always similar conversations. Yeah. So... How do you remain consistent? That's a great question. Uh, for me, how I remain consistent is focus. Yep. You know, I know what I want to accomplish. And I have just enough discipline to be able to stay focused on a handful of things. Kind of going back to the comment about, you know, don't focus on 10 things, focus on one thing, yep. focus on three things. It's, it's really first understanding that, understanding yeah. yourself. Yeah. Uh, no reason to overcomplicate it. Also, you have to have a passion for what you do, mm-hmm. right? You have to enjoy this, right? Let, right? I mean, let's be honest that there, there are days where I'm like, uh, what, wh- why am I doing this? Mm. Right. It's just crazy, uh, situations, uh, uh, variables that are out of your control. Sure. Right. 
Uh, and I can think of, you know, 20 other things that are more fun than, than real estate. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I love solving problems, mm. right? That's what I do best every day. Uh, whether it's a tough deal that we're trying to close or, you know, whether it's getting one of our agents to hit their goal or, you know, even w getting their first listing appointment, right? right? I'm real passionate about that. Like yeah. I, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, you have to be focused, determined uh, in order to remain consistent, but you also have to enjoy what you're doing. Right. No. Yeah. No question about it. You know, coming back to the word consistency on it. And I can't think of one thing in the world where it's a positive thing to say, hey, I'm really inconsistent with that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Nothing. Right. It's never a solution is to be yeah. in, inconsistent with anything. Right. So that consistency and that routine are really the things that bring you through the tough markets, yep. as you and I both know. Mm -hmm. Once you've established that routine of what, what you're doing. Well, now you can always fall back on the routine because we all have bad days. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have great days and trying to manage the highs and the lows of that. And again, to stay in your lane, right? You're never that great and things are never that bad. Mm. And you need the understanding and do to get that and figure out how you're going to stay in your routine and just keep, again, A to B. So, Jose, I want to talk a little bit about someone out there that may be listening to this podcast that is new to real estate or trying to take things to the next level and trying to emulate what it is that you're doing. So, for example, I'm a new person coming into this industry. Mm -hmm. You know, what are the, the pitfalls? You know, what are the things that you experience that could make it challenging to get up and running? What's important? Yeah. Um, so I think first you have to identify the necessity to do that. Right. Once... You, for me, uh, it was, you know, recognizing that I wasn't living up to the service levels that people expected. Sure. Um, and so when you're at that point, you need to start with capital. You need to have some reserve, right? Because your first hire needs to be an assistant that's going to help you on the back end of things. And I know this is different for everyone. What yeah. kind of capital are we talking about? Uh, I would say anywhere between minimum three months reserves okay. to... Uh, ideally, you know, if you have uh, six months to a year, I know that mm -hmm. that's tough, but I think that, uh, you know, you, especially since we're in a cyclical business, you need to be able to weather that, yeah. uh, you know, in order to, to be able to do this successfully. Yeah. And, you know, it's just the more I think about it, how huge of a point that is, because the last thing you want to be worrying about when you're trying to build it is money. Yeah. Hundred percent won't work. Yeah, that's all you're thinking. Um, about. And uh, if you have the ability to show someone exactly what you do, mm. uh, what's your process like, right? So when you when you meet a new buyer, right? What's step two? What's step three? When you take a listing, right? What what's the process look like mm. when a, when your offer gets accepted or you submit an offer? What you know? Can you articulate that? That's you got to start there, right? You got to you got to build your business and mm -hmm. be able to show someone, hey, look, from A to Z, this is what our business looks like. No, that's a great point. Got to have the money and you have to be able to, you got to know have a process. Yep. You yep. have to have something that's scalable. We we're talking about that earlier. Mm -hmm. And you got to make sure that's right for you. Exactly. Right. Which I think is the the key to the whole, the whole thing. What what else? You know, any other pitfalls you, you yeah. saw along the way? One thing is, uh, you know, make sure that you're surrounded with or aligned, I should say, with the the right people. Yeah. Right. And so we've been pretty fortunate that, you know, we've aligned ourselves with, uh, you know, great lenders like yourself and uh, attorneys, 
um, that are like-minded, right? We talked yeah. about that before, right? They, they, um, um, they offer a consistent experience uh, right. to your clients. And so um, it becomes challenging because a lot of single agents feel like, well, you know, are my clients uh, going to get the same level of service that they would get from me, right? And so... Yeah, and that's a tough one. You know, that's tough for anyone. It's tough for you. It's tough for me. You know, we, you deliver a certain level of service and being able to trust in the delegation to the like-minded it's person. It's tough that's to elite. let go. It is. It is tough to let go. But, you know, I would say that if if you're at a point in your business where, you know, you need some leverage, uh, you know, make sure that you have a capital mm. um, to sustain, you know, three to six months at a, at a minimum. Um, and don't be so quick to give up the sales end of the business, right? right? That's, that's what got you where you are. Give up a lot of the administrative stuff, right? You, you, there's a lot of great people out there that, uh, could probably do it better than you. That's a great point. Right? And I've always been from, had the philosophy of never take your hand out of the business. Like no. as far as actually selling yep. keeps grounded Keeps you humble. Absolutely. You know, and it keeps you up on trends and it makes you more relatable to the people that are trusting keeps, you as a leadership. Uh, it keeps your finger on the pulse, totally. right? So you know what's yeah. going on, right? No question about it. Because it's not it's not an easy business and you got to understand the ebbs and flows of everything. Yeah. I think also, um, you know, we talk about like-minded people. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's your culture like, right? And find people that are going to be a good fit mm. in, in your ecosystem, right? I think that that's super important. People that have... Uh, grit, you know, look yeah. for people that have grit that are going to be able to get through those, yeah. you know, those tough days. Great salespeople aren't necessarily always a great leader. You know, I, I think that if, uh, if you're looking to put a team together, um, you need to develop your, your systems and your processes, yeah. right? You, you need to be able to have that and show someone exactly how it's done from A to Z. Sure. Um, and then just put the right people in the, in, in the right seats. Yeah. That's what makes it all scalable. Right. You know, and the other thing that you said in there, which I think is great, is like-minded. Yep. I mean, that's my number one. When I'm bringing someone on board or I'm working with real estate agent or real estate company, I have to be like-minded because it kind of makes everything else fall into place a little bit easier. And more importantly, it's your biggest area to be able to grow. Right. If you're with like-minded people, your growth potential is unlimited. Well, they, they share a similar vision. They share a uh, similar passion for, for, for the business, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's always my, non, my non-negotiable. Have to be like-minded. That's why you and I get along so exactly. well. That's why we've had endless conversations yep. about different things. We're very like-minded. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it sparks the creativity needed to be able to take things to the next level. Yeah. Right? Yep. Now, when you have, all right, so you have all those things in place, then what happens? You just start raking in the cash. You get the rake out. Mm, Is that what goes on in Jose's world? (laughs) No, not at all. You got to be able to invest back in your business too. You do. You do. And you know, um, you have to think like a business owner, right? So now you're running a business and you're writing checks and you have expenses and you have a P&L that you need to manage and uh, you need to start tracking, you know, where's my money going and what's the, what's the return on that money, Mm -hmm. right? Um, so you need to start thinking like a like a business owner, right. and and a lot of people can't do that, and that's okay too, right? But find someone that's gonna ma- you know that's gonna manage that for you, whether it's your sure. accountant or you know bookkeeper or whoever, but um, run it like a business. You know, I've learned that over the years. I've learned that 
the effort that it takes to build a team, train people, and have all that trust. I mean, it takes a tremendous amount of effort, and it takes some expenditure, but, you know, it takes your time, right? It takes a lot of time, yep. personal time investment. And in our industries, time is money. It is. It just is. It's time away from your family. And understanding that the greater purpose of it is to help others achieve, achieve their dreams, and then from a selfish standpoint, it's creating a system that drives, and I use this term loosely, but it drives some sort of passive income, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're getting paid back for all the hard work that you put into it. And when you look at wealthy people, wealthy people, they have direct income, they have passive income. Right. You know, building a team, is it real estate, whatever it is that continues to help that, that revenue and you're getting paid out, out for all your sweat equity and financial yep. equity. Exactly. Yep. You know, so... And in understanding that bigger purpose longer term, yep. you know, personally and financially, you know, and more importantly to that is when you have, when you have someone on your team that can benefit from the systems and processes that are in place, what allows them to grow exponentially? Right. Right. Well, it also allows us to serve our clients a lot better, mm -hmm. right? A lot more efficient, right? We can serve a lot more families. Um, and, uh, it allows our, our team to grow and to do more business. Right. And so when you're focused on what you do best and you have other people managing every other aspect of the business, naturally, you're going to do more business. Mm -hmm. Right. So now the business is making money and just coming back to that ROI portion, you know, I was talking about passive income and really my, my intent wasn't so much that's passive income that's going into your pocket. It's passive income of which a lot of that money's going back into the business, right? Yeah. Big portion of that. And yeah. what does that, what does that well, look like? Well, it allows you to reinvest in the team, yeah. right? It allows us to, um, separate ourselves from our competition, right? right. When it comes to our marketing, right. um, the allows us to, to provide a better client experience. It, it gives us an opportunity to gain more market share. Sure. And what I mean by that is that, uh, you know, during COVID, you know, right, well, actually right before COVID, we had uh, plans on expanding into Hoboken. And so right. that happened right around the same time. And, uh, you know, it was a scary time, Sure, right? We didn't know what was going to happen for, for a month or two there. We couldn't even uh, show houses or do open houses. But, uh, um, you know, it gave us the ability to, to, to stay on course and focus on our plan, which was that we wanted to expand to Hoboken because we already had, you know, business there. We had an opportunity, uh, and we aligned ourselves with that market center. So, right. um, you know, when you're when when you have that sort of leverage, it gives you the ability to you know to afford to do those things. Sure, right. You know, and those investments. I mean, they're investments made into team members that benefit the end consumer. Right. And, you know, I got to tell you something, one thing I learned in this industry a long time ago from my end, I remember I had a boss in 2010, I moved from Sparta, New Jersey, down to this Monmouth County area. And it was really a, a promotion to manage more people. And I had the guy I was going to go work for say to me, he goes, why in the world would you want to do that? You know, I'm doing a ton of business originating on my own with a small team. He goes, why would you want to do that? Uh, and I, I said to him at the time, I said, I'll get more joy out of working with my people and investing into my team than I will just doing it on my own. And what I learned from it is with the right leadership in place and with investing back into your people and your infrastructure and your clients, 
everyone does better. Yep. Clients more satisfied and everybody else around you makes more money. And it's of a heck of a lot more fun when everybody's making money yep. than just you. You know, and, and it also allows you to insulate your business. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm, you know, we, we talked about COVID just uh, a couple minutes ago and, uh, you know, I remember when that happened, uh, everyone was talking about, you know, cut all your expenses. Right. right. And so we looked at, okay, what are some of the things that we can cut and what are some of the things that are non-negotiables? Right. Mm. And so, um, human resources was non-negotiable, right. right? Your people kind of forced us to get, to get back to basics, right? That's like probably one of my favorite terms is getting back to basics. Cause every once in a while we kind of veer off of that. You have to come back and realize again, going back to what, what the nature of this business is, it's sure. talking to people, right? Um, so, you know, when you're operating in a team, you know, you have to know your, your ROI, you need to know where, I should be doubling down on on uh, 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 resources, sure. right? Yeah, and you know, kind of coming back in, you know, stay in your lane. Yeah, right. Exactly. Stay in your lane. Stay humble. Right. Nothing's that great. Nothing's that bad. Yep. I'm going to stay right here, and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Time over task. Investing. Yep. You know the ROI, the investment back back into, into the business. Sure. Yep. That's yep. great stuff. So, with that, anything else that you want to add, Jose? Um, this has been a pretty, uh, cool experience. Uh, uh this is my first podcast and, uh, I'm excited to be here and, uh, you know, share some of, uh, my experiences and my, my journey. And, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Jose, thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Uh, it's been great. Jose Sanchez, again, Link Real Estate Team. Yep. Uh, thank you so much. We appreciate your advice and all your wisdom in this area. And for everybody out there, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we look forward to catching up with you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham, produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift, and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in and we look forward to catching up with you next week.